What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off the Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Mike Dudas is the founder of The Block, a crypto-focused community to help people cut through the noise. He previously co-founded Button and worked at Venmo and PayPal. In this conversation, Mike and I discuss the role of media in the crypto industry, why Coinbase is the most important company in the space, and which media outlet he thinks is more entertainment than substance. I learned a lot about the intersection of content and crypto in this one, so I hope you find it as fascinating as I did. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Why don't you just give us a little bit about your background and uh, kind of what got you into crypto? Absolutely. So Mike Dudas, uh, a relatively recent entrant into the crypto ecosystem full-time. Uh, in 2013, I uh, started to dabble, bought Bitcoin. I was working at the time at Braintree, uh, the payment processor. We had customers like Uber, Airbnb, and obviously all of the big crypto companies wanted to work with them. So Coinbase came to us and said, hey, do you want to accept Bitcoin? Uh, in your gateway. And at the time, we chose not to, uh, but it developed, you know, an interest in my mind, you know, talking with the Andreessen folks, talking with the Coinbase folks, and reading Chamath's, you know, everybody should put one to 3% of their net worth into crypto at that time. I was like, hmm, let's do this. So I've been paying attention to crypto through ownership since 2013, but I left the ecosystem for a while, worked at Braintree Venmo, started a company called Button here in New York, and uh, we had our second child in the fall. And it coincided with a pretty significant price rise uh, in Bitcoin and in other cryptocurrencies. Uh, And I went down the rabbit hole for the first time. And uh, the rabbit hole took about five months before I really felt comfortable uh, having conversations with folks who had been in the ecosystem full time Mm -hmm. for a number of years. Uh, And my interest was peaked. And I said, hey, what do I want to do for the next 10 years? And after meeting the people I'd met in those five months, you know, thinking the ideas I'd thought and having the conversations I'd had, I said, hey, it's time to jump in. Amazing. And, and so um, what specific parts of the industry do you think are uh, the most interesting in terms of somebody who's coming from, you know, a non-technical background, but has had, you know, a high degree of success in terms of uh, companies that you've worked at, started it, et cetera. Like, like what pulls you in? Um, and it's so interesting. Yeah. So the things that the primary thing that pulls me in relative to what I started I'm now calling traditional tech, and I've written a little bit about this, is the multidisciplinary nature of crypto and blockchain technology. You know, it's not just about technology or Mm -hmm. sales or marketing or go to market. You know, it's about governance. It's about economics. It's about network security. Uh, It takes a team of of world experts to execute on any protocol project. Uh, And... The other thing that really attracted me is this is the first time, yeah, I've been in fintech for 10 years, ever since the Google Wallet days mm-hmm. and Braintree Venmo. And this is the first time that I've actually seen uh, something that could truly create, you know, crypto assets, create a parallel financial system yep. versus what we've historically called fintech, which are things that can kind of nibble at the edge of yep. Wall Street and the traditional financial uh, system. Very, very 
uh, interesting. And it, what do you think is the biggest mistake people are making in trying to build this decentralized financial system? So the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now, uh, the, the ecosystem as a whole, I think the biggest mistake that I'm seeing, and uh, it's kind of like a game theory thing, and every rational actor is probably making the right move in terms of maximizing their own near-term wealth. Uh, but I, I do think that for uh, crypto to succeed, we're going to need to coalesce around you know, the dominant protocol uh, in each of the verticals you know, that are being pursued. So let's just say Bitcoin as sound money, um, you know, Ethereum as uh, you know, the, the worldwide universal computer, and I'm mm -hmm. using extreme shorthand language here, yep. uh, you know, Zcash or Monero as the privacy coin. Now, I don't think it's reasonable to coalesce you know, quite yet, uh, but I think it's supremely problematic when you see you know, some of the leaders of the industry who are working on five or six projects uh, and I think it's really problematic when you see some of the strongest voices in the industry, uh, the Fred Wilsons of the world uh, and many others who are you know, using economic incentives to get developers to work on things that you know, probably have very little chance of success, like Kicks Kin, you know, relative mm -hmm. to the other platforms out there that can do similar things better. Got it. And, and so I think that part of the beauty of crypto is the fact that people uh, who have independent thoughts and, and, you know, kind of do a bunch of research, learn, formulate their opinions, and they're able to share them. And there's a little bit less of um, a, uh, you know, kind of group mindset, right? In traditional tech, if everyone's into scooters, everyone's in scooters, right? <laughs> if everyone's totally. doing this and, and the, the tribalism and, and the yeah. um, kind of ferocious intellectual debates that happen in crypto, I think actually uh, allow a lot of the best ideas to rise to the top. But that also allows people an environment to present unpopular or controversial ideas, right? Mm -hmm. What would you say is your most po unpopular or most controversial idea that a high degree of people would disagree with, but that you believe? Uh, so as somebody who is a Bitcoin maximalist mm -hmm. of uh, so basically I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, um, but I would say that extreme Bitcoin maximalists would disagree with me, as would people who aren't Bitcoin maximalists. Okay, so I think there that. are multiple definitions of Bitcoin maximalism or mm -hmm. there should be. Um, so I fundamentally believe that you know, Bitcoin has the highest probability of any coin by a wide margin of establishing sort of the store of value use case and, and perhaps eventually medium of exchange and, and unit of account and, and becoming, you know, and it is sound money. Yep. Uh, I think that if Bitcoin went to zero, I think it's, you know, a very low probability that cryptocurrency, you know, exists in 20 years successfully at scale. At the same time that I'm a Bitcoin maximalist in terms of value of uh, the token, Mm -hmm. I believe deeply in the other projects happening out there, many of the other projects, you know, including Ethereum, uh, including, you know, Zcash, yep. um, including smaller ones like Poet, you know, mm -hmm. and I think there are a lot of interesting projects. So I'm not sure that value will accrue to the token, but I wouldn't call them shit coins. Like I actually think that, you know, the token in some respects for many of these projects is a way to sort of market and signal interest and get monetary incentives to get developers into the ecosystem. Yep. And I, I applaud that, even though my more extreme, you know, Bitcoin maximalist friends would probably frown upon that. 
Absolutely. Well, and it's also the the incentive piece, right? So if you have a centralized company and you want to recruit talent, right, you basically need to have uh, a team and a mission that is attractive, right? You need to have uh, the ability to pay uh, money, right? So actual cash. And you've got to usually use some other incentive uh, mechanism to hire and retain that talent, right? And so you see everything from, I'll give people equity in a company, right? To I'll provide them free lunch, right? And so, so there's a whole totally. bunch of different things that you can do, but that's in a uh, centralized, you know, single location or, or multiple single location type business where everyone's coming together at the same time. No question. When you go to the crypto world, you have this distributed team, uh, no for-profit entity uh, type structure where a lot of those incentive mechanisms that you use in kind of traditional um, you know, company building is not available to the founders or, or the people who start these projects. And so the argument it sounds like you're making is just that those incentive mechanisms are being replaced by these tokens, yep. which have monetary value associated with them, but they're no different than the free lunches, the equity, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think that's close. That's close to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what's interesting is, so so the slight differences. I think a lot of the investors who are investing in these tokens do actually believe yep. that many of them will have long term value uh, for a host of reasons, which would take a multi hour podcast, and we'd have to probably explore by vertical. I think most of them won't have value. Yep. But I'm more making the point, and you were making this as well that you know these are the incentives that right now are encouraging folks to work on these problems that I think are real are hard and are, are worthwhile uh, but it will you know there will be a day of reckoning when there's kind of this uh, you know separation yep. of Bitcoin ethereum and some of the other you know top tokens from some of the tokens that haven't made progress uh, and I, I actually hope that you know some of the scam coins go away and some of the you know smaller market cap, uh, tokens that that actually have use cases and potential utility, even just to use a silly one like Spank Chain that mm-hmm. only has a market cap of fifteen million in a, re- I believe, fifteen million in a really significant industry, which should yep. be a pr- you know, prime use for cryptocurrency. I could look at that and say, hey, you know, maybe maybe there's some room for for this one to to go up. Absolutely. And so let, let's talk about uh, community, right, mm-hmm. in crypto, because I think yeah. that there's uh, both the good side and the bad side. Um, let's talk first about the good side of the community, right? So so if you look on social um, and you look at some of these projects and the tribalism that goes on, uh, there's just a rabid fan base or rabid yeah. interest, right? Like, how do you see that in comparison to the traditional technology startup world where, you know, people are always trying to, I want customers that love me, Right. To now this rabid, um, you know, interest in, in the crypto world. Yep. So in the traditional tech world, uh, outside of gaming and and real like consumer tech, uh, esports and, and things of that nature. And, and there's more examples, but I'm just you know, those are a few of the examples where you see these rabid fan bases. And I actually think crypto is most analogous to those rabid ones, to, to sports teams in the real yep. world. Uh, in tech. You see, you know, developer fan bases, and and they'll go to Google I/O and you know F8, but those are very different, you know, very controlled experiences. Uh, in the crypto ecosystem, people come with, and and you've heard this before. I'm not saying anything you know, particularly novel in this area, but you know, with with almost a religious belief and an anchoring and a strong bias and and as strong a tribal nature to associating with specific projects as I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, and, and frankly, it's because they've had access. I mean, 
it's because these folks look at themselves as angel investors, you know, true investors are the earliest stages of these projects, um, because clearly, you know, nearly almost none of them are, are even close to fully developed yet. And so I think that's a positive. At the same time, it can be a curse. So an example of where it's genuine is, is clearly Ethereum, right? Mm-hmm. And clearly Bitcoin, but that's been talked about a lot. But you know, clear Ethereum from a developer perspective and you know, tons of developers you know, flocking to it. Um, you know, Solidity you know, is a language that's not just you know, Ethereum specific, but folks, uh, you know, folks really want to um, work on the Ethereum blockchain uh, and with uh, and so you're seeing apps and services built on top. And so I, I, I consider that a, a really healthy, organic, natural community. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at the same time, I see really unhealthy communities. So, you know, the obvious canonical example of that is Ripple. So you know, Ripple has a you know, centralized uh, structure mm-hmm. uh, where you know, Ripple Core basically says, hey, we put you know, our tokens in escrow. Um, but but still, you know, they're obviously under their control and they're released over a period of time. Uh, and then, you know, they have a host of you know, real people who are, you know, ripple extremists uh, and, and who knows what their motives are and you know, what their compensation is and, and you know, why they're doing what they do. Um, but they really become kind of a hive mind in public um, and really come after anybody who questions the validity of XRP and of Ripple. Uh, and then you can go one level beh- uh, past that, which is uh, just false and fake communities, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it has echoes of, of what happened in, you know, our election and, and you know, bots. And, uh, you know, Ripple's a case where you know, there's certainly real people who are supporters, but there's no question that there are tens of thousands of bots uh, associated with Ripple. Uh, and, 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 and do you think that's something where... Uh the company and the people in and around the company are actively trying to create this stuff? Or do you think it's a thing where community members who like the project, who hold the coins, right, have a financial incentive in seeing it succeed are uh, trying to push that narrative through, through you know, social channels, et cetera? Yeah, so the, the Ripple Corp team is an exceptionally professional, talented team. They, they truly are. Like, you know, I've spoken with them. Uh, I know, you know, some of them personally, uh, and they're very talented. Mm-hmm. Um, they're talented, you know, both at creating, you know, functioning financial products. Yep. And they're also very talented at, you know, increasing the value of things related, you know, to the corporation they're working for. And the token is clearly, you know, part of that, right? So, so Brad Garlinghouse's comments about, you know, pilots that might have eight transactions uh, total globally ever, uh, that, you know, they issue a press release about, you know, those are clearly uh, strategic decisions they make where they know it's not material, uh, but will impact the price of the token. Um, so, so the management at Ripple clearly does things to move the token price uh, separate from actually creating value uh, at the core product. At the same time, they have an incredible team. Their product team is doing a good job uh, on, you know, a number of, you know, financial institution and bank products that they're working with and increasingly, you know, getting more and more partners. Uh, That being said, you know, if they were just a traditional equity backed uh, company, you know, they'd be valued nowhere near what they're valued at today. Um, and then to the question of the community and the bots, 
Uh, I think they could do more to police it and it's not in their interest to do so today. So they don't. And, you know, I've experienced it personally and I know many other folks who have like my friend, Jeff Goldberg, who's explored the uh, ripple bot problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and they invite, you know, the ripple team definitely invites uh, many of the most prominent, you know, tweeters uh, affiliated with them to all of their events and, yep. and sort of encourages them to continue with this sort of mini, mini celebrity game mm-hmm. that I don't think is a healthy one and th- that they know helps to artificially support the token price. So I think that that argument is uh, popular and, you know, relatively well accepted by a lot of people. I would take the opposite side and I, I don't even know if I have a different opinion about ripple specifically right i don't know enough haven't spent enough time with them to have an opinion on them but the mechanisms of uh you know let's walk through so um if they announce pilots right that are early you could say hey they're doing it to manipulate price right Mm -hmm. or you could say they are being overly transparent Mm -hmm. right the uh, the idea of them um, working with people who are big fans of a brand, mm-hmm. right? Every company in the world does that. Who has any sort of size, you know, public uh, influencer? True, and it happens stuff, throughout right? the industry. You know, consensus absolutely you know, does it with, and, with and a lot so of people. So I think, I think yep. one of the things that I try to wrap my head around, and I don't have an answer here, right? But but I think is is really interesting is you know part of the ethos of crypto right in, in general as, as an industry is um decentralized you know, yep. distributed teams kind of uh, all, all of that that goes in that bucket at the same time it's experimentation it's you know trying different ideas not getting tied to the sacred cows all this stuff and so you know in the case of a ripple or, or other projects those are almost in direct conflict with each other Right. Mm-hmm. Because actually what they're doing is they're doing experimentation. They're doing, um, you know, they're really pushing the edge and trying to figure out, you know, do these new models work and, and how to, to, can they drive value? Um, but they aren't decentralized. They aren't distributed. Right. And so how, how do you think through yeah, like so where that line get, is? So it's, it's a great question. So I think one way that they could basically eliminate all doubt is to say, hey, instead of compensating ourselves in this token XRP, which mm-hmm. You know, the founding team has, the leadership has, um, David Schwartz has, uh, they could choose to, you know, basically renounce those tokens and take value in, more value in the equity of Ripple the Corporation, which clearly has a connection to XRP the token. But I think it would reduce questions as to whether they're, you know, are are ulterior motives uh, when they are announcing things. That's just one simple thing. Again, that being said... Um, you know, structurally, it's really difficult for that management team to execute without people asking questions externally, just given the structure of, of, you know, of the course. corporation, how it's tied to tokens. And that's just, just one example. That's even a healthier community than, than some of the other ones out there. Um, you know, the, the, the Tron community, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a total scam. It's not even worth getting into that, but, you know, you mentioned Tron and say scam and, you know, you're going to have 100 bots in your inbox uh, in seven minutes. Quickly. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so let's switch gears. Let's talk about uh, the media and crypto, right? Yeah. So, so I know something you care about a lot. Um, it seems like there are three separate buckets of uh, media 
outlets or types, right? So you've got the crypto media. These are people who are super well connected in the industry. They really understand what's going on. They do a fairly good job in terms of reporting that, you know, in detail, uh, accurately, um, maybe a little bit smaller uh, audiences, right? Yep. But but very much, hey, these are people who understand this industry. Then you've got the traditional media, right? Which, you know, depending on who you're talking about, may or may not understand what's going on, accuracy, is questionable sometimes, right? And, and the way that they are delivering the message can uh, lead to a lot of retail investors changing their opinion about certain tokens, acting differently, et cetera, in the market. Mm-hmm. And then the third bucket is what I call like the citizen journalist, yeah. right? Which is, you know, the, these Twitter accounts that explode that all of a sudden, you know, um, I, I'll uh, uh, whale panda, right? Or, yeah. uh, you know, bully esq right and these guys or even who, like a nick carter you know some of these yeah folks who, they have a voice yeah, right they've got a publishing yeah. platform and, yep. and and what they're doing people want to hear and, mm-hmm. and so um they, they grow these audience and, and now anthony become, pompliano <laughs> uh, i i am uh, i'm just having fun but they're, they're actually providing a uh, legitimate value and uh and, and so through that like how do you see that ecosystem and yep. the relationship between the three playing out over the next you know five ten years yeah so i think all of them are important uh so Today, but I think, you know, those three are all somewhat insular. Okay. Okay. So I think the way that all three of those types of media today are writing is in a very trade oriented uh, manner. And so meaning price, like talking about price and and what is happening in a market where people are looking to trade. So that would be one example. Uh, But another is like, basically writing about Ethereum governance or mm-hmm. you're writing about, yeah, like why has price gone up or down in the last six months? Yep. Uh, if I gave that article uh, to a friend who's an engineer working in traditional tech, mm-hmm. but with not a lot of knowledge about the crypto ecosystem, they probably need to read like four precursor pieces to get to the point where they understood it. So the way I think of those three categories right now, and I'll just start there, yep. is um you know, I look at like CoinDesk being the former. So there's a sort of trade magazine type uh, type of ecosystem, and and really CoinDesk is the only one that has a brand that even in this ecosystem stands out. Yep. Uh, yeah, and this ecosystem is like a pretty de minimis small number of folks. Okay. You know, compared to the global interest in cryptocurrency, of course, blockchain technology. Um, and then you've got Bitcoin Magazine, Coin Telegraph. Uh, CCN, which copies everybody else's stuff. I mean, it's just a small, small, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, it's a big group of brands that write very similar things. Yep. Okay. Then to your point, you've got the Bloombergs, the Fortunes, uh, who, you know, and then there's a host of others who are writing about this New York Times, but I think Bloomberg and Fortune are doing the best job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have folks on the beat who are deeply informed and they write and they break news, right? And mm-hmm. they write some really good pieces and they write some you know, pieces that I wouldn't write that aren't good, right? Yep. Um, I think there's a group that's a little bit different than that. They have better editorial judgment. You know, CNBC is a disaster. I mean, it's just terrible for the industry. It's a Why? shit show. Um, it's basically uh, no holds barred, completely unethical. So basically you've got these folks on air, uh, Brian Kelly, you know, mm-hmm. crypto man ran, uh, who blocked me on Twitter for calling him out for being an absolute shill of coins that he owns, mm-hmm. buys them, and then tweets about them, you know, through his private vehicle. CNBC literally allows people who are telling people how to buy cryptocurrencies and informing and educating them, supposedly, to literally run hedge funds on the side. It's a fucking joke. It's, a, it's embarrassing. It makes me irate. Um, <laughs> and it hurts people. 
mm-hmm. hurts people's pockets. They're a sham. Okay. So CNBC is different than everybody else. Yep. And it's embarrassing. And Comcast should be embarrassed to allow this on television. Um, and it's probably the thing I'm most passionate right now. Mm-hmm. I care less about Ripple than about CNBC being held accountable for hurting the common investor. Mm-hmm. They're terrible for the industry and they mislead people. So sorry for uh, going off on that tangent, but I think it's important that people you understand believe. that. I believe it deeply. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so that's sort of the mass market. Uh, if you asked people walking down the street, a thousand people, you know, what's the biggest brand in media? Uh, of Bitcoin, crypto, blockchain, name all the terms. I think they'd probably say Bloomberg, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand people, even in New York. Maybe a couple would say Coindesk, but they'd say Bloomberg, Fortune, New York Times, yep. a couple of others. They have okay. the, the name brand recognition. And then lastly, you know, the last category you said, I think is sort of aggregated on Twitter and Medium, right? Mm-hmm. So personal blogs and then Medium. And it is the richest source of high signal information in the industry. Um, I agree. It's... Uh, abundance. I mean, just absolute abundance. It's a shame that I think Medium, you know, needs to hire somebody, a cryptocurrency expert, um, you know, to, to really curate this and, and highlight the best stuff. They're not doing a good job there. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, as the industry, we just need to find some rich person to give them a bunch of tokens to hire somebody to do this uh, because it's so wonderful. And I'm, you know, every week now, I'm and, and, curating and, the best on Medium. Yeah, do you think that... Because they're practitioners. It's you. It's I, I was going to say, do you, people in the industry. Do you think it's because they're uh, the... F- other types of media are basically reporting what other people are doing yep. and what you get on medium for, you know, specifically with PR is, talking to them and yep. you're know, talking to experts and look, everybody has an agenda uh-huh. versus I think that, sorry to interrupt, but I think the direction you were headed is, you know, these, this authentic deep, I've thought about this thing that I personally care about, yep. like a Nick Carter, or some of these folks don't even have their real names. Hasu fly. Who's, who's very bright. Um, a number of folks, you know, who have gotten me really interested in token economics, you know, the mm-hmm. Kyle Samanis of the world and, uh, and it's Ariana orig- Simpson. It's original ideas. Others. Yeah. Right. It's exactly. original ideas. Yep. Your daily newsletter. Yep. You know, <laughs> you get Ryan Selkis. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, those are the folks, the folks day in and day out who are living and breathing this are the folks who are sharing right now the best information. And uh, I'm actually writing a blog post that will be published uh, tomorrow in the block, which is uh, my new business, which I haven't talked about yet, but we'll be publishing on. Somebody asked me this morning on Twitter, hey, why do you guys talk so much yep. about what you're building instead of actually building? And uh, I listed a few reasons, but you know, I think it's important that we talk about it because we have so few believers. We have such so much information, so much change so fast, uh, so much of what's being shared isn't accurate. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, it's really important for the folks who are in the know, who have that judgment and good curation to talk. And Absolutely. To get it out there well, and, and I think and evangelize. That what, what we're seeing is this is probably one of the first industries where um, part of it is the nature of crypto. Part of it is uh, the nature of just communication and, and, and tools uh, outside of crypto is the practitioners, the operators, the engineers are able to talk directly to audiences without the um, the, the, the middleman. Right. The, the it's media, incredible. Et I mean, yeah. I, and, know, and we're I, seeing it, by the way, we're seeing it yeah. in our president does it. Elon Musk is doing yeah. it, right? Kanye yeah. West is doing it. I mean, you go through, there's a bunch of people who are figuring out, I'll I can talk directly to my audience. Like Jeremy Rubin wrote a piece on, hey, you know, giving, you know, sort of airdrop tokens, giving mm-hmm. wealth to people that I read this morning. And by the way, I'm being completely honest. I read the whole thing and I didn't understand any of the <laughs> equations, but like it made 
some sense to me and yep. I loved sharing it and putting it out there and, you know, having it be debated and discussed. And another guy I respect greatly, Jeremy Gardner said, Hey, I don't necessarily agree with that. And it, it's a wonderful, you know, it's just wonderful to see all these different viewpoints coming from different backgrounds, some mathematical, you know, some practical, um, you know, having these discussions. It's really exciting. Absolutely. And, and then, so what do you think is the, you know, with what you're doing with the block, right? So, well, first, tell us a little bit yeah. about what you're doing there, and then we can talk about how this relates yep. to the media. So there's stuff. a fourth type of media that I don't believe has existed, mm-hmm. uh, and it's starting to exist. So uh, it's basically media about media and information and community around the crypto and blockchain ecosystem that reaches, let's just say, I'm making up numbers here, one million people in the world know a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Those first three categories we talked about are super serving those one million people who already know a bunch of stuff. Yep. Well, hey, there's a hundred million people, and I'm just, again, making mm-hmm. up numbers, but you know, relatively, I think the, ratio, the yep. ratios are, are probably somewhat accurate. Uh, who are getting terrible information. They're just following random Twitter feeds, you know, pump groups on Telegram. They don't have access to the best information, the insider mm-hmm. information that we're fortunate enough to have access to. So I looked at this ecosystem and said, hey, I really feel like this is where I want to be for the next 10 years. I've been successful mm-hmm. in the past. So I can take a 10 to 15 year horizon and you know, I'd love to do this the rest of my life. Absolutely. But I want this industry or this ecosystem to succeed so badly. And I'd love to do this for my, the rest of my life. So the block is crypto simplified. And the whole idea here is that we take these concepts that you and I understand mm-hmm. and probably many of our listeners understand. And we basically start at the base layer of those and then build up from there and build this education base, uh, create what I call a Reddit meets Slack Um, Mm -hmm. And I've created a Slack group. It's a thousand people strong where people are learning from one another. I think people learn best in groups, Mm -hmm. as we see from Telegram, but effectively liberating this and and giving it to people uh, so that they can discuss the news, the analysis, the topics of the day together. So anyway, the block has launched a newsletter that we publish, you know, every other day. Our website's launching at the end of September, and mm-hmm. it's going to be that thing that you check in your phone for a quick take on what's happening. Uh, and you know, we'll aggregate all of the analysis and other information, but it's approachable, and we want to reduce. People are fearful. I was fearful when mm-hmm. I came into this industry five, six, seven, eight months ago. Uh, we want to reduce the fear so people can jump in and learn. Well, and a lot of it too is, you know, if I said, "Hey, go learn everything you can about uh, quantum, you know, mechanics," <laughs> right? Yeah. You you would uh, say, "I don't know anything," right? Yeah. Or uh, maybe you're expert but i'd be like give me a link dude i have no idea (laughs) yeah and and so you would start googling right you'd find some okay hey these look like these are the people who understand a bunch i can search on youtube okay i'm gonna go watch these videos i'm gonna read you know some stuff off of wikipedia and i'm gonna find a book and an expert and you just go down this rabbit hole and you eventually come up with oh all right i understand it at some at some degree of um of knowledge the problem in crypto is those people those videos etc don't look anything like we've ever seen before, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, yep. It's pseudo-anonymous accounts on Twitter. It's exactly. these secret Telegram groups. It's these videos where I, I've literally seen people who are incredibly intelligent are doing videos and their faces are covered. Yeah. Right? It's and, like and, Medium sort of gives text credibility. Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking to have the block Yep. give a number of these concepts, these voices credibility. And then Got it. to basically take a lot of what they're doing with their endorsement and present it in a way that people feel comfortable. And then we're actually going to ground that in a physical community as well. Mm -hmm. So 
we're starting here in New York uh, with something called The Block at WeWork. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a co-working space that's going to be launching this fall. Uh, and we're going to invite crypto projects, you know, 100 plus people to join us. And uh, folks who you know are part of the block community will be able to drop in. And so it's really grounding. I'm sorry, it's, it's really... You know, we think right now New York is one of the top three, if not the top. I mean, I'm yep. exceptionally biased uh, crypto ecosystems in the world. So we'll start here and we'll see how it manifests itself, that physical plus digital community that's welcoming. Um, and, and one other thing I want to say, there are some other fantastic teams that are doing this right now. I mean, again, huge kudos to you with, with your newsletter, which I think is much more approachable mm -hmm. than a lot of what I've seen uh, out there. Uh, the team at Masari Crypto is doing some phenomenal work. I mean, they have a team, Ryan Selkis just wrote about it this morning, uh, a guy I re respect tremendously. Uh, and, you know, 125 folks who are who are offering up, uh, you know, analysis of tokens and other yep. things. Um, so they're working for transparency and wealth of information. And Token Daily is another one. These are different things. Token Daily, who is having just amazing people contribute like they have on Medium historically and then allowing conversation around it. So the block isn't the only one. And I think we're all going to be able to work together. And I'm just like, it's just, I think this is the time and the place. Uh, and what's great is because price has gone to shit over the last six, eight months, we can all just focus on building. Yep. And, you know, this is not a permanent thing. I think we all believe in this technology. I mean, sort of in this ecosystem and its ability to change so many industries and to change money. Um, when we come out of this, it's going to be wonderful that we've all been working heads down. It's like the 2008, 2009, quote unquote, crisis. I think you may have said it. You said it in your newsletter, uh, you know, birthed Uber birthed Airbnb, Absolutely. birthed some of the greatest companies of the last decade. So it's really exciting. For sure. What, what do you think is, uh, if you could wave a magic wand, right, mm -hmm. and change one thing about the crypto industry, what would you change? Uh, so I would change the, uh, I would change this mindset that I sometimes see where people judge others, and this is not universal, mm -hmm. but I do see a significant portion of people who judge others um, either explicitly or just you can kind of see it in the back of their head by how long they've been 100% immersed in the industry as somebody who has immersed myself fully recently, but been, you know, caring about it and an owner for a long time. Uh, I think it's bullshit, you know, when somebody says, hey, you know, you weren't around when we did X, Y, Z, and therefore you don't understand. I would, and my retort would be, hey, you know, explain it to me. Because Absolutely. by the way, my whole mission is that the person who joins in three years has a platform in the block where nobody's going to treat them like that Absolutely. and scare them off. That's really the biggest thing, I think. And um, I think, you know, bringing, I, I would change the sort of lack of focus on design. And the last thing I change is, frankly, this, and I wrote about it this morning in a tweet, um, is this sort of like pre-pre-sale, pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-sale, like triple pre-pre-pre-pre-pre-sale. And I know Meltem, you know, probably talked about it this morning, the shitcoin waterfall. It's disgusting. It's a terrible, terrible funding mechanism. I know we're moving away from it. Um, but, uh, you know, a number of very prominent investors have benefited from it. And I just think it sends a bad signal. And I think some of those folks should stay quiet for a while mm -hmm. and stop with their moralizing. Got it. And, and so out of all of this, it, you know, let's fast forward 10 years. Uh, you know, you've built an incredible company. A bunch of other people have, have continued to build what they're doing. What do you think is the outcome of all of this talent and capital that's flowing into the space, right? Is it... 
Bitcoin becomes a global reserve currency and nothing else? Is it Bitcoin plus everything else that's being built? Like, like where do we yeah. end up? In, in, yeah. So in 10, ten years? years, I mean, it's hard to pick the date, right? Of course. Like, because it's going to basically, you know, it's it's like uh, the fall of Blockbuster mm-hmm. or the fall of- The uh, beauty is when people listen to the podcast, yeah. if they listen to it from a year from now, 10 years <laughs> is still 10 years away. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So I'll be right for, you know. Okay. At some point. Yeah. So- um, you know, I'm hopeful. It's a very low probability that Bitcoin becomes like just from a pure yep. probability. Like, do I believe it? Like, I ascribe a higher probability to it yep. that Bitcoin does become, you know, the global reserve currency and you know eats <laughs> the U.S. dollar's dominance. Absolutely. Right? What What do you think the probability is right now? Not what you believe, but just like the the kind of sober probability. That I'm going to go, happens. you know, below, uh, bel- like below five percent. Okay. Um, but. That's fair. You know, that's currency is like that's hey, we're talking hundreds of trillions of dollars worth of value yep. for 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 Bitcoin. I may have actually is there even hundreds of trillions? I may be off by an order of numbers, but um, but there's a lot of value to that. Yep. Um, you know, uh, but but you know, becoming a better gold, like in my mind, it's so obvious that it's a near certainty. Yep. That uh you know, like if Paul Krugman and I saw each other, we wouldn't even be able to talk because like we, we literally would be from such a different grounding of ideas. But do you um, think somebody like that actually believes what he's saying? I believe Noriel does not believe what he's saying and is a troll. I believe Paul <laughs> Krugman does believe what he's saying and he's just old. Got it. And by old, I don't mean it in an ageist way. I mean it old of economic philosophy. Got it. Make, that makes and sense. what makes money and what he has seen throughout his life. Okay, so, so we put uh, less than five percent chance that Bitcoin becomes uh, global reserve the global currency. Car, you know, now Jack said, you know, it's going to happen in ten years. Um, you know, Pierre Richard will probably not allow me at any more of his Bitcoin maximalist dinners for saying less than five <laughs> percent. Now, so, the hopeful, you know, part of me says one in five chance. Yep, um, and I think over not a ten year horizon, but you know, a twenty thirty year horizon. Okay, and then what? Outside of Bitcoin, what, what yeah. happens to all of this, you know, tens of billions of dollars that now have come into the space, you know, thousands yeah, of people. Yeah, the good news is it's not that much money, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you look at it, you know, outside of Bitcoin, I expect Bitcoin dominance to actually increase through the remainder of the year. Literally, as I was taking the subway up here, I said, you know, Chris Berniski said, what do you think is going to be one big thing that happens and a milestone to watch in the crypto industry this year? And I think Bitcoin dominance going over 70% is something I'm going to keep an eye out for. And I think very well might happen. Um, because I think you're going to see people realize that most of these uh, protocols that have significant value are nowhere close to delivering anything of value. Yep. And uh, so that doesn't mean Bitcoin will skyrocket. I just think you're going to see. I'm I'm actually hopeful whether it happens this year or next year to see you know every coin not rise and fall mm-hmm. you know the same percentage every day. Um, I lost my train of thought though on your original question actually. Uh, so what do you think happens to everything outside of Bitcoin? Oh, in yeah, terms so of outside of Bitcoin. So I think, you know, you're going to see a flight to quality. So things like Ethereum uh, mm-hmm. right now, what is it? 35 billion today market cap, mm-hmm. like maybe a little less. You know, that's not unreasonable for, you know, Airbnb's 30 billion. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not unreasonable for the ambition and the potential mm-hmm. of that platform and the developer activity. Um, it's certainly way over its skis. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you know, but look, when Stripe was valued at $9 billion, Having been somebody who was competing with them, I was like, holy shit, yeah. that's an overpayment. And hey, I don't like Keith Rebois at all, but that guy was dead right about that company being a generational company. And I love the Collisons. So the brothers who run the company are incredible entrepreneurs, 
great people um, and geniuses. And so, you know, sometimes things surprise you to the upside that you never could see because you were thinking of the business model in a different way. And I just couldn't imagine Stripe turning a simple few lines of code into something that had the margins that it has, just based on my knowledge of Braintree. So when you look at Ethereum, you see, you know, hey, it you know crashes when one uh, specific DAP, you know, gets a ton of usage on a given day. It's easy to say, hey, they're not gonna, you know, there's nothing there, right? Yep. And by the way, like my probability bet, I would say there's more likelihood that, that there's not than there is, but you know, it's very reasonable to think that the value of Ethereum, you know, increases significantly. So my point isn't about Ethereum. My point is I expect a flight to quality. Yep. Um, and I really, uh, I don't know if I expect it or I hope for it. You know, I hope Neo, I hope uh, Iota, I hope Tron, you know, just absolutely evaporate. <laughs> absolutely. And then what, um, what do you think is the most important company in crypto today? Yeah, so I've long thought this, and again, this will rile, you know, most of my closest uh, crypto you know, folks of the philosophy. I think the most important company company mm -hmm. uh, in crypto, in the history of crypto, is Coinbase. Um, Why? Without a doubt, uh, they are the first folks who made uh, crypto, who attracted uh, investors and got the backing of folks who uh, the financial industry took seriously. So Union Square Ventures and Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, they are the first company that made it something where people like me who were intellectually interested in it felt comfortable and safe um, putting money you know into this this token that was vapor um, effectively at the time 2013 mm -hmm. you know I don't believe it's vapor I've done a lot more studying today uh, you know my brother invested you know I could convince other folks to do so uh, and they stuck with it and they grew and they've evolved, right? I don't agree necessarily with everything that their CEO says. Um, and, uh, you know, one of their founders has moved on. But the company, the entity itself, folks like Dan Romero, who have been there since the beginning and mm -hmm. are amazing people. Dan's fantastic. Stay strong. Yep. Take criticism and have really brought this to the masses. And I am so sympathetic to people who bring important technology to the masses. I think engineers and, and sort of like really extreme religious minded people don't believe and understand how important that is. So Coinbase is super easy to hate and is against much of the sort of libertarian philosophy of why some people support Bitcoin, for example. Um, but we wouldn't be here without them. It's a company that almost went out of business a yep. couple of years ago uh, and is now a behemoth. And uh, you know, I'm very optimistic about their future. I'm hopeful for their future and rooting for them because I think they've done so much for the industry. I think they're the single most important company uh, in the industry. That's awesome. Um, all right, last question for you is what is, what do you do on a daily or weekly basis that you think has formed much of your opinion in this space? So the number one thing that forms uh, my opinions that that helps me to learn and that directs and guides me uh, to where I should be paying attention. And I'm very fortunate for this uh, is uh, Telegram. And and I'm in you know three Telegram groups that I value you know, very, very highly. Mm -hmm. I can't name them. It's like, you know, once you name them, you're out. <laughs> um, but it's probably- Th This is where a, like a, a real journalist would get you to name them, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll let you off the yeah, hook. I, I wouldn't, because <laughs> you're in, I think, all of them. Um, so, you know, it you can't pay attention to everything uh, about them, 
right? I mean, it's just, it's overload. But if you yep. pick and choose, you're going to happen upon. And certainly when I was learning and I had more time, paternity leave, I was mm-hmm. fortunate enough. Um, but but starting my day with Telegram, moving some of those thoughts to Twitter mm-hmm. and then engaging has been the most important thing in my learning. Mm-hmm. And then sort of broadcasting my ideas on Twitter and sharing has been what's helped me build my company and mm-hmm. our company, The Block. Mm-hmm. So the two folks who... Uh, are already, you know, have accepted dot online. You know, Mark Rogowski is my co-founder and editor in chief, uh, and I can't name the person who's joining us as our head of research in a week and a half. Uh, both, quote unquote, met me on Twitter, right? Amazing. Uh, and I'm speaking to two more people uh, over the next couple of days, and I've had multiple conversations with them, and I'm going to close them. I hope they're listening. I hope this gets published really soon. Uh, are also folks that you know I met through Twitter and Twitter is the new LinkedIn. Uh, it is. LinkedIn is just a total shit show. It's a wonderful, wonderful broadcast medium. It's a terrible, terrible business connection medium. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. This is awesome. I think uh, I think you've got a very unique perspective on the world and uh, and all the best of uh, luck to you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, I mean, literally right back at you. I appreciate the opportunity and a lot of fun, buddy. All right, sounds good. Let's um. I kind of actually like what Melton did at the end where she got to ask you one. Oh, man. I actually think that's going to be a little Let's make that a thing. Okay. I got one. Yeah. After every podcast, let's have them ask you one. Uh, All right. Ready? All right. So. And then at the end, we're going to have to edit this in. So just thank them again for coming on. Yep. Okay. This is like the new end. Cool. Uh, all right, so uh, we, we've started uh, allowing people to ask me one question when they come on, which uh, which scares the hell out of me. Genius. But uh, yeah, what what, uh, what one question do you have for me? Okay, what is one important thing that you have strongly asserted over the past six months about the tokenization of securities that you believed at the time and that you strongly disagree with or disagree with today? So, um, I think that there are a number of things that I strongly believed, and I can't say that I strongly disagree with them, but I am much less excited about. Mm -hmm. And I think how I arrive at being less excited about or thinking that they are less important, probably a a mixture of the two. And that makes sense. Like I am, you know me, I'm so euphoric and I say things and get excited and then I tone it down. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think part of it is education, especially on the technical side of like, you know, let's go deeper into the tech and understand exactly how this is going to work. Uh, And then two is um, having more data points from a timeline perspective, right? So Mm -hmm. just watching some of this play being out. in market trying you know exactly yeah, working on different so, deals so i think the, the there's two things one is um the idea that tokenization is going to occur because of the technology i'm probably less excited about so mm-hmm. the idea that um you know uh, instantaneous settlement uh 24-hour trading fractional ownership like i think these are all uh, features that are important and, and interesting, but I don't think that's actually why people are going to use the tokenized securities or interact with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think now I'm uh, a much bigger believer that it's a user behavior yep. where people's interface into the digital world, it's going to be a digital wallet mm-hmm. in order for them to have that digital wallet act like a bank and a brokerage account. They can hold stocks, bonds, currencies, commodities. Yep. And in order for anybody with an asset to allow that person to hold those assets, they have to digitize it. Yeah. Right, so it's more of the digital aspect and the in the support of a digital wallet than it is all the transactions, etc. So I think that's one thing I've kind of walked back into a different um, 
you know, kind of thesis around. Yeah, no, uh, I love that. Like, it actually, I remember some of the rebuttals to some of the things you were saying four or five months ago. Yep. And like, that seems eminently reasonable as a rebuttal. Because yep, we all know, user experience, if it's in the place where you do the other things, then, you know, hey, absolutely. you'll do it. If you can make it as easy as the other things are. For sure. And, and valuable as the other things Yeah, are. and then I think the second thing that I would argue on, tokenized security specifically, uh, is... The idea that um, people are going to want to buy this for liquidity, et cetera, I think that I'm very much in the camp of, at the end of the day, if you're going to buy tokenized equity, you're going to evaluate it as equity. If you're going to buy tokenized real estate, you're going to evaluate it as real estate, mm-hmm. right? It, it's still, at the you know, if the asset is good, people will want yeah. it and therefore it will get a premium in price. If mm-hmm. the asset is bad and it, you know, is not going to uh, appreciate in value, et cetera, then people are not going to want it. It's going to decrease or it's going to decrease in price. And so this idea that um, if I have capital that I want to invest, I already understand the asset classes, right? Stocks, bonds, yeah. these commodities, the technology in between me and that asset is probably less important to me. Right now, tokenization for a whole host of reasons, I think, is actually going to be the winner, right, in terms of what of what people are going to use. But I don't think the mass consumer, mass investor, is as interested in. Oh, I bought the tokenized version of the equity versus it's just the access, ease, transparency. Well, or the, yeah. yeah, they just want they just want to buy the equity, yeah. right? And so the 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 egregious example is nobody runs around and says uh, I bought electronic shares of Apple settled yep. in DTCC. Yeah, it's true. instead they just say I bought shares of Apple. Same yep. thing whether it's tokenized or not. So the key thing, uh, and what's your biggest, do I get two questions? I'm going for it. All right, go ahead. What's your biggest <laughs> worry? Or, or do you worry that we, you know, maybe end up in an analogous situation to, you know, the Blythe Masters induced, you know, uh, CDO situation of 2008, 2009? So I, I think that uh, tokenization is uh, not going to be the cause. I think that people will do it, yeah. right? But I also think that's going to happen with Bitcoin and, and, and exactly. happens with, a lot of we can assets. already see it right with you know every kind of future and you know of a course of derivatives and i mean you name it ultimately being, here's yeah thought of and spun up over time i haven't fully formulated this yet but uh if you think about engineers really good engineers that understand this kind of decentralized distributed world um they have a superpower that wall street has never had to the you know available to them when you take those people who have a superpower and allow them to play in a financial system that they probably don't have a deep understanding or experience in, there's a lot of good that comes out of it because they don't know which rules are not supposed to break, right? Mm-hmm. The unwritten rules kind of disappear. But that also means they haven't learned the lesson from past bubbles and, and, and problems. And so I think what we're going to see is all of the elements of Wall Street are going to get exasperated, mm-hmm. right? And so the good and the bad. Yep. And, and so when that happens, you bring these people with the superpower into that financial system, just buckle up, yep. right? Because you're going to get both up and down. And I guess my hope would be that because we have these sort of religious people, you know, who, who are feeling like, hey, this is our ecosystem, that there will be, you know, a level of checks and balances and transparency. Um, but it's going to be fun to watch. We'll see how it evolves. Absolutely. That is the uh, that is the hope. So, look, man, I appreciate you coming on. Obviously, uh, best of luck with what you're doing. I think that uh, that you're definitely off to the races here. And uh, we'll talk soon. Likewise. Thank you so much, buddy. Cheers. Hi, bye. Hey, everyone. Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off the Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. 
Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.